students who are going into community pharmacies to do their internship, either as a first choice or second, are looking for structure and exposure, I believe. Structure around the mentoring, training that they're going to receive and exposure to all the areas of community pharmacy services that are offered at that particular site. And they're looking to have this quantified with interviewers to what their intern year will look like and with what they will get to experience. Of course, this is a win-win for everyone involved. The intern pharmacist who's, who's receiving that well-rounded intern opportunity to top off their learning experience as a student in pharmacy. For the business overall, of course, it's, it has a happy and engaged, motivated young professional on board, which, which does impact on the customers and the other staff as well. But it's also really beneficial for the pharmacy industry as a whole, as the industry is obviously always richer for a well-turned-out, newly registered pharmacist. Hi, I'm Debbie Capuano, Senior Recruitment Consultant at Ravens Recruitment. And I'm Heidi DeRiz, General Manager at Ravens Recruitment, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast, brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia, focusing on pharmacy management and ownership. The PBCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. Today, I'm joined by Heidi DeRiz and Debbie Capuano. Heidi is General Manager at Ravens Recruitment and has clocked up 20 years in the business of recruitment in the pharmacy sector, while Debbie, with 23 years experience recruiting in the field, is a senior recruitment consultant working on the ground with pharmacists and pharmacy managers to match candidates with employers. Unless you've had your head in the sand for the past two years, you will be keenly aware of the challenges around recruiting and retaining good staff. You may or may not be as aware of the actual costs involved, financial and otherwise, when staff turnover is high. This episode is full of practical, sage advice and tips for pharmacy managers struggling with recruitment. We discuss the current state of play in the market, what you need to do to stand out as an employer of choice, salary trends, and we even go out on a limb and try and predict what might happen next with the market. I encourage you to share this episode with your colleagues because there is so much in here that might be helpful to them. Here's Heidi and Debbie. Debbie and Heidi, welcome to you both. It's great to have you join us. And I'm really looking forward to speaking to you together because as a pair, you both bring a wealth of experience to your role. So Heidi, let's start with you. You're the general manager at Ravens Recruitment. And Debbie, you're a senior recruitment consultant with more than 20 years experience in recruiting candidates in the pharmacy industry. But as I mentioned, Debbie, let's start with you. Tell me how you got into this career and, and what interests you in particular about working with pharmacists? I came into pharmacy recruitment via a friend's father, Fred Raven, who was a pharmacist himself and a true, actually a, a real gentleman of the pharmacy industry. At the time, he owned a pharmacy sales and recruitment business combined. I didn't have interest in the buying and selling, but I'd always been interested in working in the HR field somewhere. He welcomed me into the family business 22 years ago now and he gave me my start in recruitment specifically in the pharmacy industry and totally grateful to this day for that opportunity. I don't think I would have had I would have the same attachment to generalist recruitment that I do to pharmacy recruitment however because with pharmacy as we know it's an industry that at its core it's about helping people and generally I find that pharmacists that I get to talk to and work with to find their next career move are, are good people who want to make a difference and of course I love that. 
when I find the right matchup for someone with a like-minded owner and, and then do my check-ins with both the pharmacy owner and the pharmacist and everyone's really happy, I'm pretty wrapped. Even after 22 years, it still feels really good. And it feels like I'm also a part of that making a difference culture of pharmacy. I love that framing in the context of, of making a difference and, and having a real connection with community pharmacists and following up and and still getting that little tingle when you, you get that right match and everybody's a, a winner and particularly the people that we service in community pharmacy. So Heidi, what about you? What's been your career path and, and ultimately an attraction to the industry? Well, I started with um, Ravens Recruitment 20 years ago this year, so um, not quite 22 years like Deb. Um, prior to that, I worked in a HR role within a generalist recruitment agency. Um, I was attracted to Ravens, I think, mainly because it was a niche, niche agency specialising in just one area. So we don't try and cater to everyone um, as you're doing generalist recruitment. And this allows us to know our market, we'll be in pharmacy inside and out, and then we can um, deliver a bespoke service to both our clients and candidates. Heidi, let's stay with you. It, it's become really clear over, say, the last two years that recruiting and retaining good staff is a huge challenge in the pharmacy sector and, and even just right across the board in pretty much all industries. And I think that might actually be putting it a little lightly at the moment. The obvious factor impacting employment has been COVID, but I'm interested in whether, in your opinion, if we just left COVID aside for a minute, we didn't consider it, is it impossible to understand this current environment without factoring in the pandemic. So I suppose what I'm trying to ask here is, are there any other factors that would be at play, even without the pandemic, that would be contributing to the current challenges that we face? I really believe that the, the pharmacy industry was heading towards this staff shortage prior to COVID um, and that the pandemic has only really exacerbated the issue. Um, employee, employee pharmacists have been feeling disillusioned, I think, for some time. Many different reasons for this. Um, salaries until fairly recently had not really increased for a number of years, and especially when you compare that to other healthcare sectors. Um, in fact, there have been numerous surveys that show pharmacy is one of the lowest paid healthcare professions. Um, added to this, you have the huge workloads and hours the pharmacists are expected to put up with sometimes with little support from owners, unfortunately. And I think there's also been a lack of a clear career path or progression within community pharmacy. And there hasn't been a distinct connection between pay levels with increasing experience and skills. And these have all contributed to the current challenges in recruitment and, and retaining staff at the moment. Debbie, moving to you, if we take a step back on a practical sort of day-to-day -day level with your experience in the field, I'm keen to understand more about what pharmacy owners are experiencing at the moment. And in your experience, have you seen a situation like this before? Do these sorts of challenges for the pharmacy industry sort of come in ebbs and flows as it sort of changes and grows and then slows and adapts, et cetera? We've definitely been in this candidate short market before. I'd say it was way back in probably 2009, 2010, thereabouts, when it was as bad as it is now. At this time, I actually had a couple of pharmacy owners with, with senses of humour, thankfully, even amidst the frustrations of the shortage where they'd say things like, as, as long as they have a pulse, Deb, or providing they have arms and legs, in addition to that, that bee farm, I want to know about them. There was, a, there was a very long time in between then and now where the pharmacy owner 
has been at the top of what I call the roller coaster ride with employee pharmacists being more readily available. We are unfortunately at that same point again, though, where owners are being less particular about who they're offering roles to. They are considering all their options at the moment as their other staff and their customers need someone to take up the role sooner rather than later. So, the, of course, the danger with this, though, is that they may not end up with the right fit for their business long term. Um, my, my colleagues and myself, we, we really try our very best to be filling the clients' available roles with the best fit for their business. Of course, this is the, the benefit of all the parties involved um to to be trying to get it right but when time pressures are there and and, and business pressures people um, tend to make decisions they may not normally make just to get somebody in there to be relieving the pressure it swings and roundabouts you kind of damned if you do damned if you don't sometimes but debbie staying with you for a second in your role as you mentioned you place pharmacists in various positions and that can be across community pharmacy, hospital, and, and a variety of other locations, and both in permanent and locum roles. At the moment, approximately the same number of students are graduating from university as has been the case in recent years. So it's fair to assume that all settings are competing hard for interns and early career pharmacists in particular. And have you seen a change in where graduates are, are, are looking to do their internship at a change in interest of areas where they might want to go and look and do their internship? And if so, in answering that, can you also maybe share some tips uh, for community pharmacy owners to help them make their pharmacies as appealing as possible to those graduates? Generally, internships are done either in community or hospital settings with a big number of students when we talk to the students in the unis citing that their desire is to do their internship in hospital a lot of the time sadly, but with them generally resigned to the fact that they may not be successful in securing that hospital internship, especially if they haven't been able to secure work as a pharmacy student in hospital, which of course gives them a good advantage in securing a hospital internship. So students who are going into community pharmacies to do their internship, either as a first choice or second, are looking for structure and exposure, I believe. Structure around the mentoring training that they're going to receive and exposure to all the areas of community pharmacy services that are offered at that particular site. And they're looking to have this quantified an interview as to what their intern year will look like and with what they will get to experience. Of course, this is a win-win for everyone involved. The intern pharmacist who's, who's receiving that well-rounded intern opportunity to top off their learning experience as a student of pharmacy. For the business overall, of course, it's, it has a happy and engaged, motivated young professional on board. Which, which does impact on the customers and the other staff as well. But it's also really beneficial for the pharmacy industry as a whole, as the industry is obviously always richer for a well-turned-out, newly registered pharmacist. Of course, there is a catch with this. It takes that bit extra for an owner to provide that well-rounded internship experience, and not everyone's prepared to put things in place to ensure that it happens, unfortunately. But um, certainly if they've got a, a, a great opportunity for somebody, they need to express that when they're at interview, like it's really expand on what that's going to look like to get them over the line. I think that's an important point because a, a lot of the students wouldn't inherently know a lot of the things that go into running a community pharmacy. That's partly some of the reason why they do an internship. So we can't always just assume that they see the world the same way as a pharmacist owner does. And as you said, some of those things need to be expressly communicated through that process. 
Oh, Heidi, moving to you, when it comes to recruiting pharmacists, as we just heard, hospital pharmacies are probably the biggest competitor to community pharmacies. But thinking about it, with around about 6,000 community pharmacies in Australia, all run as independent operations, it would be naive to not acknowledge that while community pharmacies work together as an industry, they're also competing with each other for staff. Does that create opportunities and challenges for owners? And if so, are there any examples that you're able to share with us to help us understand a little bit better? It definitely does, I think, create challenges for owners. Um, candidates are spoilt for choice at the moment in this market. So owners really need to consider uh, when they're recruiting how they're going to stand out as an employer of choice to those candidates. Um, offering a competitive salary is only one part of the equation. Does the pharmacist feel that this will be an environment where they can grow their skills, receive great mentoring and encouragement from the owner and also be supported by their colleagues? Added to this, does the pharmacy have the right staffing ratios to support all the services that it offers, allowing the pharmacist sufficient time to fulfil all the requirements of the role safely, without rushing, being stressed and being able to take the occasional break, of course. Um, in this market, owners who are prepared to think a little differently and go above and beyond, I believe, will be the most successful in recruiting staff. Um, an example I can give you is that we recently had an employer who had a pharmacist in charge role in an outer region from a capital city. Now, this is not normally a location wherein an employer would need to look at sponsoring a pharmacist from overseas, but this particular employer was flexible, willing to meet with the candidate, quickly realised her potential, offered her a salary at the market rate, so didn't try to go in too low, quickly snapped her up, and the pharmacist was thrilled to start with them. Excellent. It sounds like a win-win for everybody. Debbie, moving to you, it has never been more important to retain staff than it is now. I kind of feel like that is something that we say all of the time and then we, we get a little bit more ahead of ourselves and I'm like, geez, it's even more important now, isn't it? Whether we are talking about pharmacists, dispensary technicians, retail managers or, or assistants, they are all looking ultimately for reasons to stay and if their expectations are not met i'm guessing it's easier than ever before for them to just leave and find another opportunity at another pharmacy in your 23 years of pharmacy recruitment what have been would you say the biggest changes when it comes to what employees are looking for in a community pharmacy role outside of what heidi just mentioned the obvious one about just wanting more money to be honest, Daniela, I, I don't know that it has changed drastically in what makes a workplace somewhere that a person wants to stay. People want to feel heard and respected in the workplace and in particular by their employer as well as their colleagues, of course, and, and they always have wanted that. That's not something new. I think to really engage your workforce, you need to be open to actually listening to them. And if you can't do this yourself, sometimes due to the size of your business or location or whatnot, you need to have people in those high-end roles who are willing to have the conversations and who actually believe in the benefits of making those conversations happen, to hear what they have to say about what they like and dislike about their jobs. It's really important. Most importantly, you need to know what is motivating the individuals on your team and you can bet your bottom dollar there'll be as many variations on what that, that motivation is as to the number of people you employ. This could be around that flexibility with rostering services that the pharmacy provide that they may be personally quite passionate about, the level of support they're receiving to do their roles effectively, upskill opportunity, career progression, and that's just to name a few. 
flexible working arrangements. That's a real buzz phrase at the moment that's impacting greatly on workforces in all industries. And, and pharmacy, of course, is no different. Now more than ever, people are looking for workplaces to join that provide that flexibility so they can enjoy life outside of work, of course. It means it might mean something flexible start and finish times, compressed hours, working more hours over those few days, unpaid leave, flexi time, and of course the list goes on there as well. Only once someone feels listened to, the pharmacy owner will be more likely to be able to bring them into the vision of, of I, I think, of what they want the business to be for the customers and also the team. That phrase in inverted commas, we're all in this together. It's a great workplace theme as it is for sporting teams and communities as a whole when things need to be accomplished or even just got through, as has been the case over these last couple of years. So I think it's a matter of sharing your vision and being open to having feedback and whatnot that's really vital at the moment. Some very uh, sage advice there. Heidi, you gave that great example earlier of moving quickly, not lowballing an employee, and then it all worked out really well for everybody. Let's circle back around and talk salaries a little bit more. In a candidate's market, one where the candidate, the potential staff member, they have a little bit more leverage because finding good staff is difficult. So then ultimately salaries tend to increase. What are you seeing in the market at the moment in regards to salary and and, and what are the impacts? How does that play out on both sides? Over the last 12 months, I think we've seen salaries increase for both locum and permanent roles. Um, as you said, more pharmacies are competing um, and that does put the candidate in, in, it gives them more leverage in terms of, you know, what they can ask for. Um, I think that's also had an impact on existing staff though within pharmacy. Um, many employers have reviewed their salary offer, offerings and, you know, they need to remain competitive. They need to retain their staff and not lose their staff. So they've looked at, at um, you know, their salary structures and that's meant, meant an increase for the existing staff. Over the last 12 months, locum pharmacists in particular have been in high demand. Um, we've got a lot of long-term unfilled permanent roles that they're backfilling, as well as obviously we've had ongoing outbreaks of COVID during the year and we've required locum pharmacists to keep the pharmacy running. So these have been the most significant increases, I think. In some cases, especially for short-term locums, we've seen rates nearly double in some instances. Um, I've just actually completed our 2022 pharmacy market and salary report, and that's going to be released later this week. Um, so perhaps your listeners can pop on our website and look out for that. Absolutely. Well, we'll circle back around and give that more of a plug towards the end. So Heidi, that's the trends and the changes that you've seen leading up to this point. So following on from that, are there any trends related to salary that you predict will continue over the next year or two that listeners should keep an eye on? Probably a couple that are really standing out to me over the last sort of one to two years. Um, accommodation, so employees in regional areas, this used to be something that, that they may offer, uh, probably 10 to 20%. Now we're seeing upwards of 90, 80 to 90% of employers actually offering that full accommodation or accommodation allowance just to try and get people to those areas. Uh, the big other trend that we're seeing um, are retention bonuses, some quite significant, and this is generally paid to pharmacists after they've been in a role either one to two years. And for the first time in this industry, I've seen sign-on bonuses. So there's been a couple of employers that have actually looked to 
offer pharmacists sign-on bonuses just to get them across the line as well. So I hadn't seen that before. So I predict we're going to see a bit more of that as well. Interesting. Well, just staying with you for a second, Heidi, is it possible to quantify financially the impact of losing staff, the recruitment of them, the induction training and the impact on other staff members? Is it able to be quantified financially? Well, I think it definitely is. I mean, some studies have concluded that the cost of losing a staff member and then replacing them to the equivalent skill set it can be as high as 100% of their actual salary. And in terms of pharmacy, I mean, that could be a hit of you know, 100, 150K. Um, pharmacists, particularly those in rural and remote areas, are incredibly hard to attract. And it's not only the normal cost that a pharmacy owner incurs, as most employers do, it's the unique skills that are lost. So the normal costs include, obviously, what you've mentioned is money and time in advertising, interviewing, onboarding, induction training, et cetera. Um, but also that pharmacist's unique skills and relationships that are lost and that's been built up over many years, um, that can be really significant. Um, if, imagine the relationships that a high-performing customer-focused pharmacist has with their regular clients. They leave, so do their clients their needs for both medicines, OTCs, it can take up to six to 12 months for the next pharmacist to build up a following and loyalty, and they may never reach that of the previous pharmacist. So Debbie, what I'm hearing is that there can often be a huge cost, financial, but also otherwise, as Heidi was just talking about with relationships there, all associated with recruitment and retention for pharmacy owners. I'm interested in your advice to pharmacy owners who are running a business with staff that maybe they're constantly coming and going so that there's potentially some high turnover of staff without naming any particular pharmacies. We don't want to get people in trouble. Can you share any stories of how difficult that process can be and, and, and what people can do to make things smoother and maybe lessen the impacts of staff turnover? I think, again, Daniel, it comes back to the owner having full awareness of what's happening in the business and at the very least having his or her key people being approachable at this time. And it's never more crucial than when there is movement by other staff coming and going. The staff who are staying are probably a bit jittery and, and at this point they need reassurance. So, again, that listening ear is vital at this time for a business or you may find that you have that domino effect with others also leaving and all of a sudden you're down to a, a very small team struggling to serve that customer base and, and being burnt out in the process. So you want to do all that you can, obviously, to avoid that domino effect. So recognising committed team members who are still there is very important, making them feel special in a genuine way, of course. might be a lunch or a morning tea provided every now and then. It might be just an email letting them know, you know when you've, what you've appreciated about them in the workplace. There's a lot of different things that can be done that often aren't done, unfortunately. It's little things you remember as an employee. Like this is going to sound a bit silly, but a mass ice cream purchase for the whole team on a hot day. I know it sounds silly, but it can make an impact. You know, it's 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 mean it's letting your staff know that you care if you make these things happen. It might be a random invitation to the team as a whole to enjoy a meal out straight after work one night or the offer of a random afternoon off, you know, staff staffing levels allowing for that of course the important thing though is to be sure to make the effort not just when things are good but also when they are a bit dire as, as a lot of teams are finding now a lot of businesses are finding right now and to not lose sight of making them happen it can definitely add to the culture and, and general good vibes within the business 
and in turn making it a place people feel valued and a part of something special. And word quickly gets around, you know, a, a place can become um, an, an employer, can become an employer of choice. Obviously, word of mouth is huge. So just this, it, the vibe will also come through to the customers. So it's a win-win for everyone as it will ultimately affect the bottom line of the business. It'll all come back to the owner at some point, any extra effort put in to be making it that, you know, great place to work for those that are left behind, so to speak. <laughs> well, I think you make some good points because thinking back to when I've been an employee and it's been quite a while since I've worked for somebody else as an employee, but I always remember that it wasn't the vouchers or the movie tickets or the little presents that turned up on your desk. It was the, the person taking genuine time out of their day to come and speak to you or give you a proper message to say, from my heart, I just want to say thank you. It felt so much more real than maybe a couple of hundred dollars in visa vouchers or something something like that. So I think you make some some good points there. It's not always just about the money, but that's not what people are looking for. Debbie, we spoke earlier about the early career and intern market, but I'm hoping you can provide some grounded advice for pharmacy owners who are maybe struggling to find suitable candidates just generally, what can they do to attract and retain the best staff for their business at the moment? I think it's always important to approach recruitment of a new new team member for your business from a very positive perspective, of course, despite how difficult the current market might be. You have to, I mean, there's a lot of pharmacy owners out there who are very weary themselves and, and you know, they're, they're a bit worn out, but you still have to be excited about your business and be able to articulate that to someone who you're interviewing and, and wooing for your business. Like you, you're trying to win somebody over to your business rather than them going somewhere else. But first things first, you need to have thought about what this person will be worth to your business. As an owner, you need to be willing to meet the market, as we've said, from a salary perspective. But as we've already also spoken about, the market is also wanting to be net around things like that support provided in the role, career progression, flexibility in the workforce, et cetera. And, and I think it's important that you can provide those answers around these areas as you can be almost certain they'll come up at the interview. Interviewees are, are far more savvy now than probably what they've ever been. You do want them to leave the interview feeling excited and keen to receive a job offer if you haven't already offered them by the end of it, which is, you know, it's happening more and more at the moment. If you do decide you want to offer that person, I'd be highly recommending you get on to that as quickly as you can as people are getting snapped up very quickly, obviously. Making that process quite seamless is, is a really important thing because you can think you've got somebody locked away and then all of a sudden if it, the timeline's just a little bit too long, they can sort of be diverted to somewhere else. It can happen. Again, some, some great advice. Heidi, moving to you, I imagine that pharmacy business owners listening to this episode might be after something of a light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. So to wrap it up, today's episode, I'm wondering if you were to look into a crystal ball, can you see a time where the pendulum will, will swing and we find ourselves in a, in a different market? Maybe not swing all the way to the other side, but maybe just find a, a nice little spot in the middle. What, what are you predicting will and won't change over the next sort of 12 to 24 months? I think definitely in the future, things will change. Um, you know, we only look back to, I think it was 2016, 2017, 
and all the talk in the media at the time was this oversupply of pharmacists. You know, we're going to have too many pharmacists graduating. By 2020, we're going to have this huge oversupply and what are we going to do? And, you know, we look five, six years later and now we're talking about the worst shortages we've ever had. Unfortunately, look, within the next 12 to 24 months, I don't think the shortages are going to ease significantly. I do think more long term they definitely will. Um, we, you know, with this talk around at the moment, we're increasing skilled migration quotas, we're increasing pharmacy student numbers, um, looking to keep those students that are perhaps leaving pharmacy now, looking at strategies to keep them more engaged and to stay within pharmacy, as well as you know the the wages and the conditions within pharmacy, I believe, are improving and they they have been improving over the last few years. And I think all those factors long term, they will ensure that, you know, these these shortages are hopefully only a blip and, you know, we get into a, a situation where, you know, we have enough pharmacists and, and um, you know, we can we can move forward with that. Making predictions is incredibly difficult. <laughs> I think often it's a little bit of a loaded question. It's sometimes an unfair question. I feel like it's a little bit of a mugs game making predictions. So <laughs> thanks for at least uh, having a shot and, and letting us know what you think. Appreciate it. Now, Heidi, it's been a really interesting and helpful chat today just overall. If people want to find out more about how you can help in this space, what can they do? Where can they go? And it'd be great if you could mention again that salary report and where they can find that. Our website, ravensrecruitment.com.au, is the best place to go. We've got all the latest information there. Um, you can register for work, apply for jobs. We've got career consultations. Uh, we've also got our career um, pharmacy podcast that we have there. Um, in terms of our annual um, market salary report, we just released the latest edition. It's coming out this week. Um, it will be available on the website. Um, so, again, it's focusing on the current trends in salaries, career opportunities and factors affecting the pharmacy employment market over the past 12 months. So um, it should be a good read. Excellent. Heidi and Debbie, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your expertise around recruitment in the pharmacy industry. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks, Daniel. You can hear more from Heidi this Thursday, the 19th of October, on the PBCM webinar, which is all about pharmacy recruitment. The webinar, focusing on pharmacy management and ownership, supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. Heidi's focus will be on strategies for attracting employees. Heidi will be joined by Charlene Wellard, Principal Lawyer at Meridian Lawyers, and Elise Apollini, pharmacist and managing partner at Capital Chemist in Waniassa in the ACT. Get your fix of recruitment and retention advice right here with PBCN right before the busiest retail period of the year kicks off. Also, don't forget to share this episode and give us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. I've been your host, Daniel Oyston, and you've been listening to episode 108 of the PBCN podcast. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. For more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.